Welcome to the Lighthouse Conversations, a show featuring entrepreneurs and tastemakers from the world of art, culture, tech, and of course, food. I'm your host, Hashem Montasir. I'm joined on the show today by Assam Kavim, CEO of DTCM, Dubai Corporation for Tourism and Commerce Marketing. Assam has spearheaded numerous initiatives and campaigns for Dubai on the world stage. This includes campaigns such as Story Takes Flight with Hollywood star Gwyneth Paltrow, Hashtag Be My Guest with Bollywood's King Shah Rukh Khan, which crossed 20 million views in under two weeks, and earlier this year, the launch of the region's first Michelin Guide. As someone who's been living in Dubai for 17 years and counting, and has witnessed its evolution firsthand, it amazes me how the Dubai government manages to launch services and campaigns, and even respond to acute challenges in ways that would give startups a run for their money. In fact, I think Dubai's handling of the pandemic should be a Harvard Business School case study. HBS, hope you're listening. I'm also joined on today's episode by Samantha Wood, or Fudiva, the region's preeminent foods critic and often my co-host. Even though Samantha and I forgot to color code our outfits this time, we still managed to have a highly engaging conversation with Assam and learned how Assam's team at the Department of Tourism operate behind the scenes. Assam, thank you so much for being with us today. We are delighted to have you on the Lighthouse Conversations podcast. There is a lot going on in Dubai. I want to jump right in, if you don't mind, um, and go maybe back to a little bit over two years. Pre-pandemic, more than two years now, pre-pandemic, there was a doom and gloom. People were writing Dubai off in some cases, saying, this is before the pandemic started, saying, you know, we don't know, the energy is not there. The pandemic came people doubled down on that and said this is going to be a disaster. Dubai played the pandemic superbly well, literally, uh, to me at least, uh, and I don't think I'm biased, almost a playbook out of a business school case study. And today, today Dubai is sitting very comfortably um, post-pandemic in terms of reaping the rewards of the measures that were put in place. You are in a very uh, interesting seat looking at all of that. Looking back, of the many decisions that were made, and from your perspective, um, what did you think was the key element that brought Dubai back, specifically from an economy and tourism perspective, to where we are today? Sure. I think, first of all, I want to thank you guys for having me on Lighthouse Conversation. Um, and speaking about this topic, obviously, is something that, that excites me quite a lot, because the way that we work, we never ever get a chance, and especially with the pace of Dubai's uh, move, um, we never get a chance to look back and really appreciate the work that's that's been done. And I think you, you, you said it uh, spot on um, right at the start. When you look at things that uh, people say or have been saying, we're not new to it, right? Um, everyone's written off Dubai at some point uh, or another. Um, and, and, and it never brings us down, to be honest with you. Alhamdulillah. I think, I think Dubai is resilient. Um, we always try to just focus on what we're doing. We look at our targets ahead. We look at what we've achieved in the past, and, and, and we try to beat that, right? Mm. Dubai's mentality, the way that the government structured with the leadership, it has always been agile and nimble. We've always thought of, our, of ourselves as a very young startup, and we have an entrepreneurial spirit. And Dubai doesn't have the red tapes and the bureaucracies that other governments have to deal with. And I think that's a unique situation for Dubai. But the pandemic, so interrupt, the pandemic came out of nowhere. I mean, Absolutely. it felt like you had something in your, on your shelf sitting there and you brought it on and you started implementing. So how did that happen? When you look at the pandemic, 
when the lockdown happened, we had come off the back of a very successful year for us. In terms of uh, a record-breaking year for, for the city, we had 16.73 million tourists that came to Dubai in 2019. Um, we were well aligned with the strategy that we had uh, rolled out in 2013. Our aim was to become the number one most visited city in the world. We started off at number seven in 2013. We were number four in 2019 and getting closer and closer to the top three. Um, so everything was running according to plan. We started January, February of 2020 with a 4.2% growth compared to the previous year. So again, showing you the momentum was there. Come March 2020 and the whole world goes into lockdown, right? Yeah. And we were one of the first cities, if not the first, to really shut down and also put strong and strict curfews in place. We also launched an app immediately to show you the spirit of how Dubai works, like a private company, that if you needed to leave the house for any emergency, you have to download this app, register that emergency, and it's a drop-down menu that you select from, right? Whether it's a pharmacy visit, a supermarket visit, or it's a uh, hospital visit, whatever it is. So you select from the drop-down, you put your number plate in, right? And then immediately you get a SMS yep. that tells you that this Can car go. has been allowed that time Next to hours, go Exactly. And the radars on the street were reprogrammed to actually capture the cars on the street as opposed to the speeding cars to make sure that you have been given that permission to go out because we do not take safety lightly at all, right? So the, the, the curfew gave us a chance again to make sure that people realize safety security of another kind is also still a priority for Dubai. While that was happening, we had already shifted all of our work online immediately, overnight, because we already had, I mean, if I'm talking about- The infrastructure about, was there. 100%. I mean, even, even if you look at it from our office perspective, we already had two, two days a month working from home policy in place as a government department, because we work eight to five officially, but we're working eight to seven, eight to eight, eight to nine, and we work weekends as well. We're not your typical government department in Dubai. And so for you guys who live in Dubai, you know that the, the, the government department's actually pushing the private. It's not the other way around, like yes. uh, everywhere else in the world. So. With that, we could immediately switch to online and work was seamlessly picked up and we continued working from home. We started meeting with our private and public sector partners. We started looking at what the opening up would look like and how quickly can we open up. We started to understand what new processes and policies do we need to put in place so that we can actually open up with new measures. And with that, we retrained all of the inspectors within the government departments to ensure that these new policies will be there and the ones who are following these new policies will receive a Dubai Assured stamp. And that stamp gives everyone, whether you're visiting an office, a mall, a shop, a restaurant, it gives you that, that, that assurance that this place is hygiene, it's, it's clean, it meets all the standards, the new standards that have been set in place. And then you visit, the inspectors would visit the place once every 10 days, at least, surprise visits to ensure that you don't just get it once, but you're maintaining those yes. standards as well, right? All of those practices, we're happening on one side. Us, from a marketing perspective, we already had a responsibility with all of the, uh, the globe that actually are tuned into Dubai and all the campaigns that we're doing. And, and we try to be playful with our campaigns. So we're very engaged with our audience. During this period of time, we realized that the situation is different. People are in a very different mindset. And we, we were, as a city, in a very different mindset. So we started to quickly connect with them again and sharing with them beautiful images of the city, but completely empty. The streets were empty, the beaches were empty, the properties were empty, and very nice messaging within that, simply telling them at the end, till we meet again. As in, focus on yourself, focus on your family, focus on your health and well-being, and we will meet soon. So, How are you able to come up with those stuff that are just so quickly? I mean, Yanni, this was at the time when the world was in paralysis. Yes. I mean, and I remember this campaign and others. 
How are you able to do this so quickly and push it through? Ultimately, it's still a government. It's not a bureaucracy. You're right yeah. here. It's more of a startup. But the speed. This one in particular, I think, again, it, it, it's, it's a great example because when we moved online, one of the first things that we did as a team, right? And this didn't come from the management. And this is, this is the beauty of Dubai, right? So even the way that the new policies and everything were done, it wasn't top down. We had the experts on the ground doing their work. And then the experts were reporting up, Feeding up to you. saying what's happening on the ground, what's, what, what, what the research is showing and so on and so forth. And then there was a, a joint effort in making sure that the right measures are put into place. So it's not a top-down approach. In this instance, when we moved online, a lot, of, a lot of our staff over here, like many in Dubai, maybe are here without a family. So they're living alone in an apartment. So imagine how that would have been for them to be in a confined of their own apartment with nobody with them. So a lot of the team members, they started to arrange a meeting that goes from eight to five and anybody can log into that Zoom meeting or a Teams meeting and you just leave it on, whether you're in front of the camera or not, whether you're doing okay. a work, in, but everyone feels that they are within the office space, right? And then we started to extend that. So I would have sessions with my team where after work hours, especially the guys who, again, are, are uh, alone in their apartments, that we leave the camera on and like we're watching TV and we're talking to each other and stuff like that. So it's we like kept virtual that living, engagement. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And we kept that engagement going and it became so natural. It became immediate and instant. During that period of time, we started to say, okay, we need to, as any marketeer, you need to remain in touch with your audience, right? So then we started to think about, okay, what's the audience going through now? We cannot be any emotionless, right? And we can't just send messages just to fill a gap. No, no, we need to be relevant to what's happening with the time. So we started to have a conversation with the team and the team started coming up with these great ideas. Until we meet again was a joint effort from the team that actually recommended this because they were going through this and they were speaking to their family and what their family was going through abroad. So we thought, you know what? This might be the right message to go out with. And was there a specific KPI that you're working towards? I mean, so for example, you mentioned number of tourists as a very important number yes. for Dubai. Was that, so during the pandemic, that's obviously not a relevant number of because course. at the time airports were closed. Yes. So what was the KPI? What was your number one goal? When we look at any of our campaigns, right, whether it was during or, or, or uh, not related to the pandemic, it's a typical funnel approach. Some campaigns are awareness, some are consideration, others are conversion. So when it comes to this situation, the awareness side would be where we'd be focused on and making sure that there's an en uh, engagement level, what kind of impression, how many, how many people are sharing, how many comments are we getting out of it. And ultimately, search started going up for Dubai, right? And that search behavior drove us to the next campaign, which came immediately after that, which is ready when you are. Because now it's been about a week or 10 days, people are getting frustrated of being at home, right? It's no more panic and scared and, and, and stuff. It's more about frustration of when are we going to go out? So we became playful. We, we started to become a bit more funny with our messaging. So we started to show people practicing golf putting at home. But then we showed them uh, someone working on the uh, greens at the uh, golf courses here, perfectly manicuring the, uh, the, the putting uh, area and saying, we're ready when you are. Kind of a thing. So people enjoyed that. They started sharing it and commenting on it as well. Now, those are the campaign side of things that, that, that we're working on. But what's also important is how did we do it? So during that period of time, we were we had access. Some of, some of the team had access to, let's say, their asset library of Dubai, different uh, shots of Dubai and stuff like that. So they were editing at home. And the script writing was done by another two team members at home. And then the voice recording, I actually did it within my closet with a duvet over my head on my phone and I sent it across and it was created into, into the ad. So it shows you that 
as a team, we were able to really become playful with it, engage the whole team in it, created an amazing environment, and that reflected in the asset that went out because the way that people engage with that shows you that, you know what, that's where I want to go. Now, this is from a marketing side. What we also did in parallel, every single measure, those processes, those new policies, Dubai Assured program, everything that we were doing was being communicated across of our, all of our partnership channels. So the biggest players uh, from around the world, from TV, from online, communicating what's Dubai doing. So that was building the, the trust yeah. of the destination. Yeah. So when things open up, Dubai seems fun, has a lot of things for me to do, and it's actually the safest place. Look at all these new measures. That was then recognized also by the World Travel and Tourism Council because we also got the uh, safe travel, safe destination stamp from them as well. So we have our own, we have the international one as well. So that's really helping us again position Dubai as the must visit place. Well, I can tell you from being on the ground, I mean, we opened, we went from one location as a lighthouse to four during the pandemic. That's so that gives you, gives you a sense of... That's amazing. And I'm just saying this because that's on the ground level, yes. reflecting some of those measures that were put in place. And the key point here is people felt uh, a certain level of trust, a certain level of safety. And, and confidence, right? And confidence. Yes. And confidence. And you're absolutely right because uh, like yourself, I met a lot of people, especially within the restaurant field, who said... We trust and we believe yeah. in what Dubai is doing. We've opened one or two new yeah, restaurants. We, we, we doubled down, but we felt that the measures in place are supporting. And I hope that's working now post. It, it has. Yeah. It has. But also, I mean, something we're going to talk to segue into, into food. You know, there's a boom. So you are now here. Yes. So where do we go? Where do you go from here? Now, see, during the pandemic, again, in true Dubai style, right? We don't, we don't like to stop and look back and, and enjoy what we've done. We don't like to... Uh, celebrate the achievements, right? I mean, it is there for everyone else to celebrate. We're always looking at how are we building a sustainable model going forward. Dubai being a market where a lot of the experts um, would say that, oh, you know what, it's a, uh, it's a bubble. Right? And we've heard this about Dubai many, many, many times. Many times. Last year, UBS come out and say, Dubai is the most undervalued real estate market in the world, right? So there's a very big change in tone. And again, we never look neither at this report nor or the that. negatives. Yeah. We're focused on what it is that we want to achieve in our agenda, right? Right now, not only are we aiming at becoming the most visited in terms of numbers, most repeat visitors, most extended stay within Dubai, and also increasing spend within the GDP. Those are, of course, from a tourism perspective. But now we're also looking at Dubai becoming the best city to live in. I was going to say, residents, so people 100%. moving in here. You can see 100%. It. And the numbers have already started to grow. And the change that people have seen now has made people realize, even from a tourism perspective. So our top markets, some of them were closed, were shut down. If I had continued to rely only on those, I would still be twiddling my thumb and waiting. But what we did was we started to focus on the markets that have shown potential in the past, right? But maybe we didn't instigate enough there. This gave us a chance. So for example, France as a market, they always saw Dubai as a, uh, as a destination that maybe is a bit shallow, right? They've got the you know, beautiful buildings and stuff, but there's a lot of this bling-bling factor. It doesn't appeal to them. Yeah. They didn't feel they had the depth. 100%. Yeah. During the pandemic, and because of the messaging that we've done, and the team worked really hard to get that message out there, they thought, okay, you know what? Dubai is the only destination we feel safe to travel with our family, so let's go, and, let's go to Dubai for the safety aspect. All of a sudden, they realized, wait a second, Dubai has so many things to offer. And that changed the perception. They became huge ambassadors and advocates of the city, and they're pushing the destination a lot more now. 
right? Same thing with Netherlands. We saw great growth. Same thing with Egypt. We saw a lot of growth. So there's a lot new markets that we've actually opened up. India finally came to its 100% um, uh, capacity recently. Yes. Uh, Saudi as well. China still hasn't opened, but we've built a stronger foundation on other markets. So it gives us a bigger chance to grow. With that change, with people seeing how Dubai is running things, with business decision makers thinking, you know what? This hot and cold of, are we open? Are we closed? Are we going to open? Are we going to close? Are we going to close again? This uncertainty. Dubai wasn't like that. Because Dubai's mandate was, once we open up, make sure you're ready because we will not close again. And as, as a matter of fact, you look at Hong Kong and Singapore, two rival markets. Yes. And you see, I mean, they are struggling. And I mean, it creates, created an opportunity. I'm not saying you want them to struggle, but I think it created an opportunity for Dubai. Because see, for us, again, it's the first mover advantage, right? And again, with that, also you have the responsibility. As in, we've opened up, people have seen that, we've, been, we've managed to bring them in, but now it's about sustaining it. When we come back, we'll discuss the impact of food awards and accolades like the Michelin Guide and Dubai's F&B scene and how the Department of Tourism is working to foster the entire industry from the five-star spaces to hole in the walls. That's right after the short break. Welcome back. You're listening to the Lighthouse Conversations with our guest, Assam Kadhim. And now, over to my co-host, Samantha Wood. So 2019, it was 5.1% 5, 5 of Dubai's GTB was down to the hospitality and FMB sector. Um, how are you given these plans? What part does FMB play in it? How are you planning to grow that? Obviously, it was affected because of the pandemic. Yeah, what are the future plans? So for us, when you look at the strategy in 2013, it was very clearly mapped out based on a lot of research and a lot of analysis that we had done, a lot of interviews that we had conducted with our key source markets and potential target uh, demographics as well. So when we had in 2012, 10 million visitors, um, they predominantly came from six, seven or eight key source markets. We knew if we want to reach number one, right, we will need to expand the number of markets. We will also need to change perception and also increase the offerings that we have um, in terms of you cannot always expect five-star visitors only to come to Dubai. And that was a perception that, that people had, that Dubai is amazing, we want to go to Dubai, but it's too expensive and it's unattainable. But we also knew if we're going to open up to a lot more markets, that many people might want amazing three and four star hotels, not necessarily just five star. And even though we had them, we needed more. So we put incentives in place to encourage more investment going towards that segment. But within the interviews, we highlighted um, about nine key propositions that Dubai will be focused on, right? So they knew about the, the beaches, they knew about the hotel, they knew about the retail culture, and arts, something that people who visit Dubai know that it exists, but not everyone was aware. So we needed to focus on that a bit more and also encourage that segment a bit more. Gastronomy was one of the key ones that people kept mentioning again and again, saying that, guys, it's only when we come to Dubai that we realize that you have such amazing restaurants and also the depth, because they don't know that Dubai is home to close to 200 nationalities that make up more than 80% of the population. And that is reflected in the food scene. And then we started to really um, position Dubai based on the key source markets and what is it that the demographics within those key, key uh, uh, markets uh, seek when they travel. So our competitive set for those markets and then highlighting the relevant propositions to them. 
And that's how we started to focus on food. And that's why it's become one of our mainstay. And that's why we also launched right after 2013 when the strategy was now Dubai Food Festival and others to start to celebrate and nurture. And Michelin, which was obviously in the making for a long time. Yes. <laughs> um, after the announcement, you gave an interview with um, Business Breakfast Dubai Eye. And you said um, that Dubai Tourism's role was to update Michelin with a list of restaurants here and also to make sure that they had the right team on the ground here to support. So can you just walk us through the process, how you worked with Michelin? The reason why we wanted Michelin to begin with in Dubai is because they are undoubtedly the most recognized neutral authority when it comes to food, right? And when it comes to any restaurateur, any chef, it, there is that honor that's associated with being a Michelin listed or recognized or starred restaurant. So that goes without saying. So for us, we knew that, okay, if we're claiming gastronomy, we need to make sure that Michelin recognizes that Dubai has that gastronomy scene and they should be here. So for us, it was more about working with them to understand what is needed for them to come and explore the scene in, in Dubai, right? So put our arm up and say, guys, you know, like, please, I think Dubai is ready for you guys now. And in the beginning, I think they were aware based on the way that they research, the way that they uh, do their interviews. And of course, they have inspectors that travel the world. So they were aware that something's happening within the food scene in Dubai. And so it wasn't relatively news news to them, but it was more of a maybe not yet. We'll get there some, at some time. This was what, five plus years ago? Yeah, it was the, five yeah. plus years ago, yeah. I would say. Easy. Um, because that initial conversation led to them thinking, oh, wait a second. We have writers that are part of the uh, Michelin family that have visited Dubai and are actually saying, you know what? Dubai has a respectable food scene uh, going on. And that then encouraged them to make sure that Dubai was included in their uh, inaugural green guide that they had launched, which was a new initiative and a new take that they had on, on, on the food scene as well. So, which was great for us. And that kind of gave us the, the courage to go back to them again during that launch to say like, guys, when is the red guide coming out, right? Um, so what we started to do was, from our, um, from our side of things, is we create itineraries as part of our day-to-day -day business, right? Uh, we have a lot of bloggers, uh, key influencers, uh, celebrities, uh, whoever comes through Dubai, as well as journalists and stuff. So we create itineraries, which is either a mix, mishmash of everything that you can do in Dubai, depending on the period of time that you're here, or specific pillar-based. So we have itineraries for gastronomy and things like that as well. So we literally start putting a group of those things together and stuff like that and, and, and sharing to say like, look, these are the kind of restaurants that exist in Dubai. Um, and, and kind of nudging them towards understanding that, look, the food scene over here is, is closer to 13,000 restaurants now registered in Dubai and, and, and showing them that it's still growing and it's still booming. And if you look at it from, a, um, relatively speaking, on a map, Dubai comes across as a dot on the map. But, but when you see the flavors, the differences that exist over here in terms of the cultures of cuisine and, and the nationalities and, and, and the number, sheer number, it kind of gives you a perspective of, yes, Dubai does have the international brands, well-known brands in Dubai, but you have so many amazing homegrown concepts and they're growing. I mean, with the, with, with the digital platforms, with Instagram and others, people are now starting to test and pilot a lot of their restaurants at home and eventually realizing that we have enough demand, demand now and then, they, and then they open up a restaurant. So our space within that is to actually alert them that guys, this is happening. And our list is not um, limited to one or two restaurants. It's literally the who's who, whoever's in Dubai, right? From the most expensive to literally the hole in the walls as well. But now 
the way that they work is they don't actually take any suggestions and recommendations. Little did I know at that point in time when I was sharing these lists with them. <laughs> they actually do not allow the inspectors to be uh, influenced by any lists or any online um, research. What they do is they try to make sure they're aware of which restaurants are making the most noise, generally from, from, from random uh, global audiences. And that kind of gives them an idea of where to start. But when they go out and inspect, they have a very specific process that they're very um, guarded very religiously, um, but, but they're very specific because for them, making sure that if you eat at a one-star here and a one-star anywhere else in the world should have the same experience or at least live up to the same expectations wherever you are. Now that you've obviously seen the list, it's out, it's been discussed, what do you think of the list? And would you like to see any changes for next year? One, I'm proud that Michelin is in Dubai. That's, that's an achievement in its own right. It's a big milestone, yeah. Yeah, and it's the first Michelin guide for the region. So that's, that's great news. Yeah. And I know for a fact that there will be a lot more restaurants coming in. Because, and the reason why I say that is because it's impossible for them to be have had the chance or the time to have assessed every single restaurant that exists in Dubai. Um, there are some uh, pleasant surprises within the restaurant scene, which I was I was glad to see on on, uh, on the list. Just because, not because I I, I know of them, because some of them I haven't even gone to myself, to be honest with you. But it's just that it's great to see that a lot of homegrown restaurants are also being mentioned within that space. So it shows you that there is that chance and common ground for people to to work with and gives confidence to a lot of the others. But more importantly, there are a lot of other restaurants that, that I would have assumed, just like anybody else, that I would have assumed that these would have and made they were it. not, which and is part not. of the fun. Yeah. Exactly. Frankly. And the thing is, this is year one. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think people more, forget that year one more. part. And that's the key thing. And I think this is what the market needs to realize. Because I had unbelievable amount of calls coming in because they think like we have something <laughs> to do with it. I'm like, guys, yeah. we have nothing to do with it. Why is this not on the list? 100%. Why is this not making right? it? And I think yeah. it's important for people to know that the list is here and it's just a start. I think that's a very important point. Yeah. We had a similar yeah. reaction to Mena 50, if you remember, and we also made that point. And the yeah. list is now here in the UAE. That's a very important first step. Now it's going to evolve. And of course, people like Fodiva and even myself are champions of homegrown brands because yes. yeah. we feel that the vibrancy of a city, ultimately, I go to New York today, with all due respect, not necessarily for the Ducasses and the, their fantastic restaurants yeah. and brands, but they are sort of, they've been there for a long time, but for the small, you know, homegrown yeah. concept. And I actually think 11 out of 25, the 25 is the top cut, 11 were homegrown. That's yeah. actually pretty it's good. Pretty good yeah, yeah, yeah. That I think the challenge is that the two stars and the majority of the one stars weren't. Yeah, there was but only then we have two. something to, so to, to I think look that's to. and obviously that's what people are looking at. I mean, it's the two two stars that are getting that get the um, the headlines. One really. thing that I do yeah. want to also mention that the level of scrutiny and high standards that the Dubai municipality have actually put in place, right? And 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 you would know this from the industry as well. Absolutely, that it really has made it, I I believe, much easier for Michelin to focus on the other side. Of 100% food right. because they know that this is covered and covered well and very tightly, right? And I think that is something that I'm very, very proud of as a city. And I think now, as you said, to have 11 restaurants that are homegrown mentioned there, and I know for a fact that many others are thinking, you know what, and they're rubbing the hands thinking, you know what, I'm going to make sure that I'm on those star lists going forward. Becomes one of your yeah, ambitions. It's, it's, it's aspiration, yes. It, it's, it's in their business plan. They want to get on that list next many year. Many people, yeah. I am sure, many of the chefs here, 
as much as they would have loved to be on a Michelin guide, in a Michelin guide, or be recognized by Michelin in some way, never imagined that it will happen for them in Dubai. So the fact that this is here, seeing those reactions, all those different nationalities on stage, celebrating something that seemed like a dream to them, right, was, was amazing in its own right. But trust me, that emotion, others would want to now feel as well. Can I ask you, from your perspective, if we want to encourage more of those entrepreneurs, whether it's chefs, restaurateurs, others, for those homegrown brands to thrive, because yeah. I think they are thriving. I look back to when we opened the first Lighthouse in 2017, you had a handful of names. Yes. Literally a handful of names, and I remember them because we, I went and spoke to every one of them. Look at us today, only five years later. And, you know, even Michelin itself has, you said, what, 11 yeah. names? What do you feel from your perspective can be done to encourage that? Of course, nothing against the big groups coming in, yeah, and they course, have their space. 100%. But a vibrancy of that culinary scene will happen only with those dreamers and risk takers. 100%. What can Dubai do from your perspective to encourage more of that? I think, look, I mean, the first step is bringing the likes of Michelin into Dubai. That's one big, big thing. Because the thing is, even the aspiring chefs or the ones who would dream about that, they might not have been encouraged as much thinking, yeah, but look, Dubai doesn't have this brand, doesn't have that brand. So now it's showing that, yes, we trusted that Dubai had the food scene, but now it's being recognized. I can make my mark in Dubai. 100%, right? So there are two, three big brands that have come across uh, recently announcing their presence, announcing that they will also be listing Dubai restaurants as well. And booming the scene and, and, and encouraging the scene another way. For us is to make sure that those kind of brands are recognizing it and also working within our teams across the world from international tourism perspective side of things, bringing in the right journalists, bloggers, writers to talk about the food scene in Dubai in a much bigger way, giving them that platform, showcasing what these guys are doing, right? A lot of them are having these amazing efforts working with the vertical um, uh, farms and all of these other places to show that homegrown produce and supply yeah. exists in Dubai 100%. in the middle of the desert. So having a restaurant that actually was recognized with a green star is a huge achievement. And the pandemic accelerated that. We 100%. shifted a big chunk of our supply chain to local uh, farming because it became so expensive to import. 100%. Because of and the supply chain issues that we're seeing and we shifted, became cost-effective, yes. and did not impact quality. 100%. And, and this is it, because a lot of people, such as yourself, you want to make sure that, yes, cost is a big thing, but if it's going to impact quality, you're not going to risk it. Absolutely But not. the pandemic gave you a chance to try yes. that, and you thought, you know what, actually, it is more cost-effective, and the quality is not jeopardized at all. Yes. And, and there's a lot of work going towards that industry. And for us, that shows you the confidence that exists for us to create a sustainable model for the gastronomy scene. And I really think... These kind of announcements will further encourage more and more to come through. And our team are constantly working with different uh, uh, restaurant uh, names and brand names and local ones to really try to encourage that scene a lot more and really shed light on these, these stories uh, from our side as well. You mentioned nationality and the breadth of nationalities yeah. and the cuisines that you had on on stage. What about, do you think we're ever going to see a high-end a modern Emirati concept here. I would love to see that. Yeah, of course you would. Yeah, we all would. <laughs> but you're right. And I think, look, I mean, it, it, it's it's all about evolution, right? I mean, if you look at, let's say, for example, the Nordic countries, right? So today you have, I think, in Copenhagen, you've got you've got those, like, the number one restaurant in the world and so on. And, and I think they created a name for themselves by creating a cuisine that is synonymous with, so, with, with, with the, the Nordics yeah. and with yeah, Denmark. Yeah, no one with knew. 100%. Well, uh, 
could relate to any what Nordic was cuisine was there. before yeah. Noma. Exactly. Yeah. There was a formula yeah. there, yeah. I agree with that. And people yeah. went from the French and so on. Even yeah. in the US, when you think the evolution was taking originally French restaurants and Americanizing them yes. to make it the American formula. Even That's the British cuisine. 100%. And now, yeah. and now it's evolved into the gastropubs yes, and stuff like yeah. that, which has really changed the, the perception of, of what pub food would have been, yeah. right? Um, so today, for example, I think there is a lot of room and a huge chance and opportunity for someone to take the Emirati yeah. food and to find that little bit of a twist, yeah. right? So it's taking the traditional way of preparing certain things, traditional ingredients, traditional spices. And I think especially when you look at the Emirati aspect of it, there is a twist in itself, by, sure. by nature, yep. only because if you look at the food from the region itself as a whole, we were very closely linked to India by a trade. So a lot of the spices that made it into our food already Always. changed and evolved yep. the local cuisine of the region to something that's a bit more uniquely uh, Emirati. And I think that in itself gives also a lot of room to play for a lot of people who are willing to experiment. Maybe there's a million dollar idea right there but uh yeah well may maybe i mean is this something i mean you you talked about yeah sort of plans in terms of uh, support but do you have any plans for grants or scholarships specifically budding fmb entrepreneurs whether that's chefs whether it's a restaurateur that's got an amazing idea but needs the funding look to be honest with you right now from from a tourism perspective yeah. we don't necessarily have something that focuses on that but what we do have is from the tourism college side of things is how to help and assist within the hospitality and also within the uh, gastronomy uh, scene as well and and there are a lot of programs that they're, they're facilitating and helping and supporting with uh, in that sector um, but i definitely think that if there is an idea and uh, and there is a concept that I am sure that there would be ways for to connect with, let's say, the private side and, 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 and create a synergy where we can create a model that, that could help and assist. And I don't see why not. Because if you look at some of the homegrown talents and you see some of the Emirati talents that come across, right? So there is a uh, pastry chef who started off in Jumeirah um, and, and she did brilliantly well. Sahar. Yes. yes. And, 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 and what we did was from our side, because it's not directly our area, but what we did was... Some of our roadshows when we went to Korea and other places, we actually took her with yes. us. Yeah. So she actually was the one who was responsible for all the pastry that were being served in yeah, those. She plays yes, yes, yes. she's your ambassador. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So yeah. those are the kind of things that we can definitely do to encourage that from our side, right? So we do our part as much as we can. Um, and then, of course, when, when someone is doing things right and they're doing a good job at it, then we can definitely also bring the right... Um, journalists and bloggers and, and, and people to actually come and experience that and then write about it themselves as well, right? So we do what we can from, from our side because I really truly believe that when someone's putting their heart and soul into it and it is in one way directly or indirectly going to impact tourism for us, then we should help them as much as we can. Uh, some you mentioned something very important at the beginning about when you found that there wasn't enough investment towards sort of three and four star yes. when it comes to the hotel scene. I want to just kind of think about that also from a restaurant perspective sure. because, you know, street food is a big thing. Yeah. And to your point earlier, as much as you want Michelin star hotel, as much as Michelin star restaurants, which tend to be more on the higher end, yeah. you also want to push towards that investment. What can be done there to encourage more investment top down? into the kind of more street food, two, three, maybe even one star uh, aspect of the market. Again, the thing that we've done from a DET side of things, right? The Department mm. of Economy and Tourism side of things is the food festival, 
right? And one of the things that we did over there was to kind of Street encourage food. a lot of that side of food to be showcased and experienced in one place. Because sometimes they're so spread out that not everyone gets a chance to experience yeah. them or even know about them, to be honest. Um, and also, in some cases, some of them are homegrown and they're not out yet. So give, this gives them a chance to actually showcase what they're doing and get a real-life example of, you know what? The demand seems quite high. People like what I'm doing. Maybe now's the time for me to take that step. So taking a little bit of that risk away to a certain degree mm. and giving them a chance to, to, to showcase their, their work to the world. Um, will the guide next year, 2023, is that going to be June as well? Is that set in stone now in the Michelin calendar or will, could that change? Not necessarily. Um, the team and I are actually looking at it now. What we're trying to do is we were hoping, this time I was in a rush. I'm, I'm going to be honest. So I, I was telling uh, Michelin that please, I mean, this is the first one that's coming in. Let's work together. Let's make sure that we get this announcement out. Um, before you know, the summer. Yeah, before the summer, yeah. right? So, so they were, they were, they were, they were very supportive, and and we we had a chance to actually make that announcement at a huge event in Dubai, which is Expo. So, so, so we had a chance yeah, to make that initial announcement that that June they will be they will be showcasing, and 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 we did. But I think going forward, what we are hoping is to move it towards a uh, a cooler. Uh, time of the year because we really want it to be an, an experience where it's more outdoor and yeah. when people are here to really take them to experience gastronomy across different parts of the city including the older parts of town where you're going to be walking from one one uh, location to another and enjoying that side and that scene within the city itself i hope that answers yeah, it in yeah. A good way. Okay. no it does <laughs> yeah we can put two and two together there that's fine and yeah and just one question on your what's your go-to restaurant you're not michelin so you you can show favoritism <laughs> Um, We're gonna where, put them where in hot you, and you, you can give us a few as well. It doesn't have to be one. I, I, where see, where do you is, dine when you when you choose to go out with sure, your family? Sure, I'm not endorsing any, but uh, <laughs> just to be honest, I mean, there are the ones that are the the comfort go tos, yeah. right? Um, and and it's just because you're used to, you know, of course. the drive there and back. And uh, so I would definitely say the. Uh, Kebab Ustadi, the special Ustadi kebab is definitely one to go to. And honestly, it's one of the ones I recommend yeah, it's even fantastic. to all the yeah, journalists yeah. who are here for Mission. Yeah. I was saying, you should try that. Uh, Ravi's, and I was so excited about <laughs> the Adidas launch, by the way. That is definitely one one of the go-tos for me as well. Apparently, the shoes are did going you? for oh, thousands yeah. of did, dollars. Did you? I'm yeah. surprised you didn't yes. get any sneakerheads. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> didn't, nobody sent it to me. But uh, no. But by the way, honestly, if you had registered, you would have gotten a good deal. And now the prices are. I know. Yeah, it's incredible. It's but that that's that's another one. And I think that collaboration shows you the spirit of Dubai. By the way, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, but then, of course, you've got the DIFC scene, and you cannot go wrong there either, right? So it's one of those where any one of those is 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 a brilliant choice. So. Uh, of course, then, and I'm trying to think of ones that are not mentioned in the list because that's already been marketed quite see, heavily. So I'm see. trying to think of the other brands, right? But um, but in all honesty, I think there is so many, so many restaurants that 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 I can confidently say has changed the game. And it has changed a lot over the last five, six years maybe, yeah. right? And now the sustainability in terms of consistency you can see that. I think that's the key. 100%. Yeah. And, and that has already started a few years ago, maybe a couple of years ago. And now with, with Michelin and the other guys that are here, you know, no one is going to think, hmm, now that I have my clientele, let me reduce the cost so I can find another supplier and I can, you know, and, and I, can, I can go for something else. Now they'll think a million times before they make any decision like that because they don't want to compromise the, the, the client's taste, right? So I think that those are the kind of things that are quite important uh, for me. 
Okay, fantastic. The thing is, when you talk about food so early in the morning, I mean, you get hungry, but um, <laughs> I mean, you can you always talk about it. <laughs> I, I, yes, yeah. you're right. Next time. But yeah. I must say, in all honesty, yeah. Lighthouse was one of those that I had heard a lot about from my wife. Bless your yeah, wife. Yeah, no, no, seriously, because it's one of the places that they always go, like, the you know, after one? drop-offs and stuff like that. Yeah. D3 was yeah, the initial one. one. Yes, then correct. she was talking about the one in the Mall of, uh, yeah. Mall of the Emirates. And I actually had a chance to go there a month or so ago. And I knew why she was raving about it. Oh, thank you. Honestly, yeah, no, 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 it was, no, no, it was amazing. Really. Thank you, we appreciate that. And that's what I like. It's no more, uh, oh, one restaurant produces something, so another restaurant opens and everyone starts to copy the same thing. Correct. Everyone is changing it and everyone's coming yeah. up with their own unique formula. And that's what's amazing. And I think what you said about Michelin uh, is correct. And other guys like that, that everybody has to up his game. And, and we, we want that kind of level of healthy competitiveness, uh, aspirational element of it. That's what makes Dubai what it is. 100%. Honest. And what I look forward yeah. to now next is for us in Dubai, and I look at you guys now, to start looking at how Dubai can start being featured in places like Netflix and all the other programs when you have Chef's Table and these things. I, I agree. You just said. <laughs> Funnily enough, last Netflix, week I was making a yeah. joke about this yeah. and I said, Netflix, why aren't you calling us? We're ready. 100%. We are 100% ready. I actually 100%. called a friend in that, in that world and I said, we're ready for you. Are you coming? So let's see. Hopefully they hear us. Show the local scene, which is made up of all these different nationalities. Yeah. I, I And agree. decide of why are they in Dubai to begin with and what Dubai lends from a food side as well. You know, so the family side and the food side. And you actually... Maybe coming I, from us, some Netflix I, will listen so, more. Remember, <laughs> I remember interviewing Gagan, um, who was on one of the early Chef's Table series on Netflix. And I asked him the question, what was your biggest driver in terms of business? Was it getting on 50 Best? Was it Netflix, Chef's Table? Sure. Or was it Michelin Chef's Table? Yeah, Chef's table the moment a, that aired, he said, it no, just... No, I really, I really mean this. I hope this flooded. is in the making. Yeah. And we're... Yeah. Certainly collectively so, doing our best to try to make there's, sure there's they, they yeah, see this yeah, element yeah. because I yeah. think it's really important. I think and now that we have the Michelin and the yeah, others here, yeah. I honestly think now I'd be like, huh, hold on a second. So 100%. Maybe we should take notice as well. Yeah. And now is the time for us to actually make them feel like, why aren't you one of the first movers to come in before others come in? You know Correct. what I mean? Yeah, and we play them off against each other. HBO Plus. Yeah, yeah. One, <laughs> if you don't do it, Netflix will yes, exactly. yeah. That's the Egyptian exactly. part. So you yeah. can kind of... <laughs> Negotiation <laughs> yeah, bargaining. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Very good. Asan, yeah. thank you. Congratulations thank you. Con on your success. 100%. No, guys, thank you so much. Congratulations a, to all of us. It's a testament to Dubai, yeah. Thank you for joining us on the Lighthouse Conversations with me, Hesha Montasser. And thank you to my co-host for this episode, Samantha Wood. We're produced by Chirag Desai and our content director is Farah Sharif. If you've enjoyed this episode, please follow us on your favorite podcast player so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Also, feel free to browse our extensive collection of previous episodes, which you can find on any of our podcast players, including Apple Podcasts and Remy, Spotify and Google Podcasts. You can also go to our website at thelighthouse.ae slash podcast to find an archive of all our previous episodes. You can find us on Instagram at thelighthouse underscore AE or send us an email at connect at thelighthouse.ae. And please share a link with your friends if you've enjoyed this episode.